This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. We are back after four weeks. I am joined this week by, you know, two fantastic human beings who I love to talk about comic books with. Brian Murray. Hello. And Nick White. Hey. Thank you both for joining me this week. Super excited that we're back. But before we start the show, I do want to remind everyone out there, we are still in the middle of doing our fun Midsummer's Night's Dream survey or something. I don't know, it's a 2017 <laughs> I Read Comic Books survey. If you want to take it, you could potentially win $10 to Comixology in a cool little e-gift card that I will send directly to you. So go fill out that survey because you listen to this show and you love it. But let's actually get onto what we're here to talk about, which is comic books. So let me ask the question I ask every single week. How have you been? How have comic books been? Nick White. I've been good. Things have been busy, and um, there's been a lot of reading going on, despite the fact that the the show hasn't been um, you know, active. There's still been a lot to read. There's still a lot going on this summer. Everything from Aliens Dead Orbit to Valiant's Secret Weapons. There's a ton of stuff to read right now. Uh, and uh, I can go into some of that right now, or do you want me to just... Uh, Whatever you want to talk about, man. Yeah, sure. I mean, okay. it's how you how have you been? How have comic books been? How, I mean, really. How do you, I you're podcast telling me, again? You're telling me that you don't read comics just for this show, like uh, right? You actually right. kept reading comics for four weeks. Yeah, that's yeah. It's a uh, you know just just as a compulsion. I guess it's something I must like or something. Maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, so I've I've gotten around to reading a couple things here and there. Um, but we'll talk about some of the more recent things. That way, it's nothing too dated. I uh, I did finally read Reborn number six. I know that this was one that Mike was not eagerly anticipating. Uh, yeah. And for some of you, especially those of you on a budget, you definitely had this sort of issue blocked out as, uh, you know, I, I guess I won't be eating for the next week. Um, issue six is the final issue. It was delayed by, I think, a month or two, and it's $6.00. Uh, I can't really, without giving too much away, I can't really say I thoroughly enjoyed it. It feels like uh, Mark Miller uh, attempted to have his cake and eat it too. Uh, Mm -hmm. And by that, I mean he felt like he needed to put some sort of an end note on the series, but also needed to leave the door open for any sort of potential in the future uh, to revisit it. Which, honestly, the guy should have realized, like, what's the likelihood that Greg Capullo's schedule is going to be free again anytime (laughs) soon? It's not good, okay? It's not good. I think DC occasionally, you know, you know, puts him in, you know, ankle chains and, and, you know, sits him down at the the (laughs) table and forces him to draw. So, uh, like... Honestly, the likelihood was not good. He should have gone for a much stronger, definitive, conclusive ending, and he didn't. Instead, this feels like the end of an opening arc of a book, not the end of a miniseries. So, right. was not a huge fan of that. Uh, if anything else, you know what just bugs me? I don't like people wasting Greg Pullo's time, Okay. <laughs> we're, we're talking he could be about, drawing Batman. Yeah, we're talking about a man who has a finite amount of energy and a finite amount of time, and we have to carefully choose how he uses it. He needs to carefully choose how he uses it. And I'm sure Mark Miller pays the big bucks, but honestly, um, it, 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 it just felt like a waste. I read Commandi Challenge number five. You're probably saying, Nick, I think Commandi Challenge seven comes out this week or came out last week. You're right. I'm behind. 
but Bill Willingham's issue was probably actually the best issue of the series so far, and I honestly did not think that was going to be the case. But then again, coming from the guy who did um, Fables, he of course is very accustomed to anthropomorphized animals and, and just general fantasy slash fantastical elements. So maybe maybe he had you know a feather in his cap when it came to that one. Uh, plus kudos to him because based on the ending of this book, like I think I think there must have been like a communication error and and nobody said like okay when you're done with the issue this is gonna get passed off to another writer so you know like just be aware of that. Uh, I, I don't think he got the memo. In fact, I think the memo he got was you're writing the last issue because boy oh boy <laughs> did he leave this book in a place that I don't think anyone is going to be able to take over and actually um let's just say some miracles are going to have to be like committed like the sort of miracle that the catholic church has to step in and like independently investigate (laughs) and like verify on two different occasions like that kind of miracle is going to need to happen to get this book anywhere back into the realm of like human existence where 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 something could happen um very interested with that uh so do you think that you maybe you read the end of the first quote-unquote arc within the 12 issue miniseries like are they trying to do one continuous story or do you think it might be broken up into like arc single issue arc final issue right i know what you're saying um i don't I don't see this as arcs. Uh, it is just sort of, it's a maxi series. I see this as a 12 issue maxi series. And the whole, the whole point of this game or whatever you want to call it is that um, at the end of every issue, it gets passed off onto a different um, team. Uh, and that team, hence the name, the Commandi Challenge, is faced with the challenge of actually uh, getting the book <laughs> up and running again. And right. then also the challenge of leaving the book in a seemingly impossible place for the next team. Although, like I said, Bill Willingham apparently didn't get the memo and said, all right, so we're ending the book at issue, uh, at issue five. Here you go. You're welcome. Uh, so yeah, uh, it, very interesting, great experiment, great effort and, and, and sort of exercise to get a whole bunch of creative people, um, e- even a lot that don't normally work with DC or even several that largely work with Marvel uh, to really pay tribute to, to Jack Kirby um, for his 100th birthday. Uh, right. So I read that. I read Grass Kings number four. Uh, if you want to talk about leaving books in impossible situations, I got to hand it to Matt Kent. Like, issues one and two were a slow burn, but three and four, like, this book is on a crash course trajectory right now. Like, things just keep escalating and escalating. And in the next issue, apparently, like, the whole, like, neighboring police force from the from the town over is coming in to, like, smash up their little... Uh, utopia of sorts. Uh, Tyler Jenkins' art never disappoints. Uh, really enjoying that book. For those who aren't reading it, I think we've got to be like pretty close to trade at this point. So, um, so that's a thing too. That has me excited because that's when I'm going to start reading this book. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's good. It's really really good. And if you're a fan of watercolors, it's there's another reason to read it. Um, one other two quick things. Old Guard number five, possibly Greg Grucka's best book out right now, uh, and Leandro Fernandez is on art, and it just keeps having these fun little exercises about how do you deal with a team of mercenaries that are seemingly immortal, and yet maybe not totally immortal, uh, and, and, and 
and five was a real fun issue because it deals with the question of a uh, how do you cop how do you cope with when you're betrayed by another person who's also immortal <laughs> like how do you how do you deal with this person and how do you like um, deal with the fact that you can't ever completely put them out of the picture so to speak mm -hmm. um, and we'll talk about Dead Orbit later but the other book I do want to briefly bring up is I read Dark Days to Forge yes you're probably thinking Nick Dark Days the casting is out like you're really behind and that's true and why didn't you read this book Nick well for some people the uh, art trio of John, R John Romita Jr. Uh, Andy Kubert I think it's Andy I don't think it's Adam I should have looked this up and uh, Jim Lee, uh, normally the, that trio of names for some people can really attract them to a book. For me, uh, that's somehow against all odds putting three artists on a book that one of them by themselves is kind of a bit of a deterrent for me. Um, but at Nick, least I think... Go, go ahead, Mike. Before you get too super deep into your Q&A with yourself, yeah. um, could yeah. you explain what exactly Dark Days of the Forge is? Because I feel like... I have oh. no idea, and I'm yeah, sorry, usually on the pulse with this stuff. No, 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 you're, you're absolutely right. I, I guess it's the title isn't that um, obvious. Uh, so Dark Days to Forge is an oversized one-shot um, that I guess if you wanted to just casually call it something, you could call it a Batman book, I guess. Um, but really, if you've heard anything about DC's event called Metal, which is going to be taking place uh, largely in August... Mm -hmm. um, this is considered one of the sort of lead-in books to it, um, which is then followed by Dark Days, the casting. And I wouldn't say it's, like, definitively a Batman work. Um, there are Green Lantern elements to it. Um, there are uh, Hawkman, Hawkgirl elements to it. Uh, if anything else, read this issue because Mr. Terrific shows up, and he's a lot of fun, and Mr. Miracle shows up. Uh, right. Uh, and both of those guys are great. So, okay. Um, the art is kind of iffy, but the event has a real 2009, 2010 Jeff Johns summer blockbuster event, rope in everything, stakes are high, characters are interacting with other characters that you never thought they would, things are like cranked up to 11, and it's insane, and if you remember any of those sorts of events, it's got that real sense of adventure and fun and anything is going to possibly happen uh, going on. So so those gotcha. are just a few things I've been reading. Cool. I don't even know where to start with this Dark Days thing because it's a summer event and I'm immediately just biased to not like it. So we'll see. Uh, maybe this will be like uh, that one that Jeff Johns wrote that I really liked that I can never remember the name of. Um, that was actually pretty cool where, you know, all the CSA come over and destroy the whole world. Uh, uh, you're talking about, is that evil with, no, not evil within. Um, forever evil. Forever evil. That's yeah. the one. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, exactly. We'll see. Exactly. Maybe one day I'll catch up on the big quote-unquote metal saga. Well, it's very weird, you know, because Scott Snyder is like, you can read all of the metal by itself and just read the event books and it's self-contained. But then, oh, by the way, we're rolling out six one-shots that sure. are going to each follow um, a different uh, character. And then we're also going to have one of those fun... Um, sort of sub undercurrent um, mini arcs that's going to bounce through like seven different books that you probably don't normally read. Gotcha. Because you got to so, rope everything in. So we're yeah. hearing different things. That yeah. makes my heart hurt just hearing you say that. <laughs> yeah. 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 Speaking of hearts hurting, Brian, what have you been reading lately? 
Oh boy. I, I don't know why I just that. Of, but like the man just got married know. and that's what you're going to say? Like that's the segue? <laughs> well, like, I, yes. I, I will say that uh, 17-year-old Brian was was thrilled at the sight of my uh, my, my list this week. Mm-hmm. I read Deadpool Kills the Marvel Universe again, number one. Oh, God. Um, <laughs> who's writing that? Uh, Bun. Okay. Colin Bun. Okay. Yeah. Um, Talk about a book that nobody asked for and nobody needs. Um, <laughs> like Bun, Bun does a fine job with what is ultimately a played-out premise. Right. It's. I mean, are, are you familiar with the original Deadpool kills the Marvel Universe? Not enough to understand how they how it could warrant a sequel. I guess. It's not a Isn't sequel. Isn't it really not that much it's, of a difference from just Deadpool in general? <laughs> yeah, it's there's some kind of secret code phrase that brainwashes Deadpool and makes him think that he's in a cartoon world and then kill all his friends. Christ. Jesus. Okay. Okay. It's yeah. uh I I'm, I'm not going to pick up number 2. Is I guess where that story ends. Gotcha. Maybe right. there needs right. to be a very just boring deadpool book where he just does office work and you just sit there and observe all of it and there's like no point where the fourth wall gets broken or things get zany and that just eventually fucks with all the people that think that the whole joke is that eventually (laughs) it's going to turn into that but it never does so instead you like watch like deadpool you know file his taxes and, and, it it um, ends with him getting a promotion to middle management, but turning it down because he doesn't want the Dead, additional responsibility. Deadpool <laughs> carefully, attempting to carefully pick out an energy-efficient automobile, but he can't make up his mind and has to go online to research it more. Like, you just sit through <laughs> things like this. This sounds great, because there will be those people that will sit through 50 issues going, I know it. I know it's going to happen. At some point, this is going to be the big joke. This is going to be the joke. And then it jump cuts to them and, like, their tombstone. And then underneath it says in quotes, this is going to be the big one, I swear. End quote. <laughs> But where, Mike, where your life becomes the zany Deadpool world because the comic <laughs> book is so plain. Your life is forfeit to the Deadpool joke, yeah. Mike, I know that you would not like this book um, <laughs> because it, it opens, <laughs> the book opens on Dead Gambit. Um, oh, good. And then Deadpool God. brutally murders Rogue in the first issue. Oh, good. Oh, so your, oh, uh, your, your OTP gets the axe. In, uh, Is there a term for like time? the antithesis of one's fan fiction? Because this sounds like <laughs> the like reverse of Mike fan fiction. Like it's the complete, like if you took that and you inversed it completely, this is, this is, yeah. I don't know one, but I challenge you, the listeners out there to find us a definite or find us a word or a phrase that could sum up what an- the antithesis Anti- of fan fiction, fan fiction is. I'd say like it's anti fan fiction, but now it sounds like antifa fiction, which it's, is it's it's faux fiction. Ooh, uh, that's not bad. But we need like, like fan that. in there and antifa fiction. Hmm. We'll figure it out, listeners. Fanti-fiction? I challenge you. I challenge you, Mike. Can we what add, this, add read, this to the survey? Yeah, um, <laughs> I also read the first three issues of Edge of Venomverse, which is okay. an attempt to reclaim the. Uh, the fun and glory of spider-verse mm-hmm. i've heard good things about this uh oh <laughs> there there are there are good things about it 
there's stuff that I liked. The first issue is actually really cool because it focuses all on uh, X-23. Mm. It's a, a universe where X-23 has the Venom symbiote and is like using it to murder gangsters who are threatening children. Like, Okay. It's, it's I ready to find wrong on this, guys, but Venom seems like that character from just being a casual outside observer that like Marvel fans clamor for and then they do something with them and everyone's like no that's not what we meant no 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 that's not it no ugh. there is well, a perfect venom book out there waiting for us i swear but oh god this is not it you gotta understand um, that in this case we went from the high of x-23 venom to the devastating low of gwenpool venom oh um <sighs> all right yeah nick that's how i feel too <laughs> that sounds like a mashup that's unnecessary Really? Because it's like Spider-Gwen and Deadpool and Venom? Like, oh, no. I don't know. No, Mike. Gwenpool has nothing to do with Spider-Gwen, except for oh. latching onto the popularity of having a character oh, with God. Gwen in their name. Yeah. Oh. Yep. Her name yep. is Gwendolyn Poole. She's a completely... She's an OC, do not steal. Oh. Complete with, like, pink dyed ends of her hair and everything. Um. Okay. Jesus. And it kind of sucks I, because, like, the Venom symbiote is a really interesting character in that issue. Um, mm-hmm. Gwen isn't so much. But <laughs> God, they, they do a lot of explaining her backstory in the book, too. And I just, like, if, if you like Gwenpool, more power to you. I'm not trying to tell anybody they shouldn't like what they like. But I don't care maybe you forgot what this podcast is about brian jesus i feel like (laughs) i feel like a month off and you've got all these ideas that i'm not okay with i've gone soft (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) and then issue three it's uh it's ghost rider uh venom sure oh i heard about that cool cool concept but they turned him into like super edgy fucking like i'm gonna eat your sin and my car is gonna eat your flesh and <laughs> oh so they're bringing back <laughs> 90s ghost Rider is what you're saying yeah it's <laughs> i don't know they they spent a lot of time like philosoph- philosophizing about how like yeah. the alien parasite and the hell parasite have teamed up and robbie <laughs> reyes is just along for the ride right and it's like, oh, cool. Taking it to... from both barrels. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> too symbiote, too furious. When you thought one was enough. I'm going to yeah. finish it out because it's, it's a five-issue mini. And yeah, okay. There are so many cool things you could do with this premise that I'm not ready mm-hmm. to write it off. But the last two issues left me a little cold. Okay. Well, Jordan says if you want a good Venom book, you gotta read Venom Space Night. That's what he tells me all the time. So yeah, I've heard the same. People out there looking for a good Venom book, it's a bit different, but it's got Ariel Olivetti on art, so I don't need to make any argument for that book beyond that point. You should be buying it right now. Like end sure. of story. Well, the the book that I wanted to talk about um, before I realized <laughs> what kind of feelings I had about these other ones uh, mm. was Predator Hunters. Mm-hmm. Um, issues I read issues two and three of that, and it's uh, Chris Warner writing uh, Francisco Ruiz Velasco on art. Um, it's really nice to see the humans actually like ready for once. <laughs> yeah, 
so it's See, not that's just what's like, that's what's pissing me off about that book brian is they're actually getting they're, they're allowing you the chance i just read number two a few days ago they're allowing you the chance to get to know these characters and i'm like no 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 you can't make these relatable people to me you can't you can't <laughs> do this to me before you kill them i need to feel nothing about these people well spoiler alert um no you're, you're exactly right i mean they don't. They don't all die. They do better than people usually do against the predator. <laughs> what is the mortality rate against the predator? Uh, I think like ninety six. I think that he killed three of them before they took him down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they find out that there's three more predators on the <laughs> island, and <laughs> the uh, the issue ends with pants shitting terror in the woods, which is what you Fantastic. want from a predator yeah. book. I mean, yes, yes. The art for this book is great, and the colors for that book are fantastic. Very, very bright, very sort of even kind of pastel-y and neon at times for something that could obviously be browns and grays. Yeah, and I'm really glad they they made the choice they did, because I get enough browns and grays from Dead Orbit. (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, That's that's not a dig on that book, but it is true. Yeah, yeah. What about you, Um, Mike? Yeah, for me, uh, I've read a ton of stuff. I mean, four weeks off does not mean I stop trying to keep up with my weekly books. Um, I read Punisher number 14, uh, Becky Cloonan, Matt Horak. Uh, this book continues to be exactly what I want in a Punisher book, uh, especially after they got they finished the first real ongoing, quote-unquote, ongoing story um, that the Punisher had in the first eight or ten issues. Now they've just been doing short little one-shot stories of Punisher just seeing some bad guys and just fucking killing them. He just has, he's like, (laughs) you are a bad guy. It is time to die. You have done something bad. Now you are dead. Back and forth. And it's it's exactly what you want out of a Punisher story. Like, he is that character that you get to feel true catharsis with. Um, He is actually doing the the he's cleaning up the streets you know he, he's not taking he's not allowing for any ambiguity about like what is bad and what is right um like sure you may be a petty thief he's gonna break your hand but if you have you know beaten someone to near death you're gonna just die uh it's it's been constant short and sweet justice and i really appreciate that with this book and matt horak's art has been top notch 14 was a spectacular one-shot story if you want to get a sampling of what Becky Cloonan is doing with this book, I highly recommend you pick up number 14. It's You need to know nothing other than the Punisher is a dude who kills people for doing bad things. And that's it. It's superb. Uh, I also read The Immortal Iron Fists, number one, and that's plural, Immortal Iron Fists. This is the Comixology Unlimited original book, or the Comixology original book, I think is what it's called. So digital only. This is written by Carl Kyle or Carrie Kyle Andrews, with art by Afu Chan, and or Afu Chan. I don't know why I pronounced it like that. Uh, but this is a sequel series to the uh, Iron Fist Deadly Weapons story that uh, Carrie Kyle Andrews did with. Uh, he did like the whole book. He did letters, inks, um, coloring, everything um, for Marvel a while back. It was a maxi series, and so we, he introduced in that book a character called Pei. And she is, spoilers kind of, uh, she is the new Iron Fist, but Danny Rand is still alive. So Danny Rand has to trade her to be the new Iron Fist. Um, so we get a little bit of introspective about who this character is, we get more into her head. 
since it mostly takes place from her point of view. And I really never thought a book could make me love the Iron Fist world more, but Pei is such a fantastic character. This really feels like an all-ages book. You don't really need to know much about the previous run of Iron Fist to understand where this book is coming from because they give you a really solid introduction to the character, introduction to the world, why these people are in the places that they are. Um, it's a really solid jumping on point. I'm, I was totally, totally, totally impressed with this book. Um, just, just because it came out of left field, they announced it at SDCC. I downloaded it the day that they announced it, read it on the train home, and I was blown away. I am definitely waiting for more, and I'm super glad that I get it with my Comixology Unlimited subscription for free. So, super pumped for the next issue of this book, and I highly recommend you guys pick this up if you can. I, I got to say, I'm really, really impressed with the. Um, I mean, that was that book is a major get in terms of Comixology Unlimited. Um, yeah, getting getting an exclusive that's not only a big two, but a big two that also manages to have some pretty top tier talent on it. So that's yeah, that's pretty impressive. Uh, I, I will well, say, Iron like, Fist is really in the cultural cultural view right now too, with the the TV yeah. show and Defenders. Yeah, coming timing out wise, jeez, yeah, 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 yeah. perfect timing. So if you have a CU subscription, get in. I will say, um, can can two people have the Iron F- Fist? Is that a f- thing, or is it one thing that's passed on? How does what, what are the what are the glowing fist m- rules of lending and borrowing, Michael? <laughs> um, so what are the terms I, and conditions of having a glowing fist? Like, so break down the entire Iron Fist mythos for us right now. <laughs> yeah, Brian, so, we're fine. It's not X Men. This should only take one minute. Yeah. So this is this is actually a pretty simple answer I can give you. Um, Ed Brubaker and Matt Fraction during their big run on on the Immortal Iron Fist. Uh, they did basically define that multiple Iron Fists can exist at the same time. Okay. But from my understanding, only one can be in Kunlun, which is the outer world extra dimension where the Iron Fist people live. Um, and so multiple people can ha- can carry the mantle at the same time. But the more of them that are alive, the less like the, the power is basically distributed equally between them. Oh. Um, so there isn't like this big power surge race thing, because I believe when they fight each other, it like cancels out the power or something like that. But ultimately, there can be multiple Iron Fists, but the newer Iron Fist typically has a little bit more power. And the older one is supposed to basically be is basically told either give up the mantle or just die already. Um, but in the story. <laughs> If I'm not, if I'm remembering this correctly, multiple people with the Iron Fist power were alive. Um, mm. To the, but there is also this ongoing story arc of technically you can only live to be like 32 years old, and then something will kill you. Like fate will oh. find a way for you to die. So there's this, there's a bigger thing, and I highly recommend you go read Immortal Iron Fist by Matt Fraction, David Aha, Ed Brubaker, and then the subsequent series that are basically the continuation of that story by Dwayne Straczynski. Really, really top-notch Iron Fist, and I'm pretty sure that's setting the playing field for what is the current Iron Fist mythos. So, really, really good stuff, um, and it'll give you some more background on the Iron Fist world, but by no means do you have to read that in order to read Immortal Iron Fists, the plural, the new series that came out. Um, Otherwise... I did read Aliens Dead Orbit 1 through 3, and all I can say is, holy fucking shit, this book is good. Like, Like, wow, wow. Wow, I, I am aboard, so butthead. so impressed. <laughs> this like James Stokoe's art, James Stokoe's everything in this book puts me right into this. Like it, it's so massive. It, I'm, I can't even. There's no words. I have no words other than wow. 
this book is top notch. If you want to read a balls to the wall alien story, this is it. That's it. Um, I did read Descender Volume Four. Um, my notes for this are sad times all time about robots question mark um, <laughs> because that's what this volume was um, and. <laughs> The constant phrase of driller a killer, driller a real killer is still my favorite thing in this whole book. Uh, I don't want to go too deep into this, but Descender is a surprise book that I'm glad that I got on board to start reading because I, I very much anxiously wait for every trade at this point uh, because I'm reading it in that format. Uh, and finally, I did read Astonishing X-Men number one. I don't know what is fucking going on in this book there was so much crammed into the pages of this five dollar comic that i it really needed to be double the length and it really needed a little more explanation because which one is astonishing again please remind us so astonishing x-men is the new series by charles soul and jim chung the art is beautiful jim chung's faces and everyone always looks the same so it's fine but ultimately, so much shit was happening, and they introduced a character that I kind of I kind of expected from page two, um, which is fine. Like it, I should say, the villain from page two, I figured that out. But like that's as someone who's read a lot of comic books with the X Men in it, I kind of saw it coming. Nonetheless, the unlike have all like of the four villains, so <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's like four hundred. But uh, let's, <laughs> I won't get into that. <laughs> The thing that really irked me about this book is, sure, I've got a lot of like X-Men history in my head. Um, and I, so jumping into this book, I knew everyone was. I knew all the background. I knew all the weird, comp- complex context that they were trying to imply with a couple of people. The thing that irked me was that all of the other n- jumping on points for number ones have done a fantastic job of getting you up to speed and saying, hey, read this mm. book. X-Men Gold, fantastic jumping on point. X-Men Blue, pretty good jumping on point. Weapon X... Hey, remember Wolverine? Okay, jumping on point. Like, in, in the, it goes down from there. Jean Grey is probably at the same tier as um, X-Men Blue, and Iceman is probably up there with X-Men Gold. I think you could read Iceman and you could read X-Men Gold without any context of the X-Men and get a pretty good understanding about what's going on. All the other ones, like Astonishing X-Men by far is the worst one for jumping on. I would not recommend this to a new X-Men fan by a long shot. So... I really hope Soul knows what the fuck he's doing with this book because this number one felt overpacked and number two looks like it's going to be even deeper with crazy weird context. So hmm. if Marvel's whole resurrection thing was, hey, come on back to the X-Men, they fucked up with this book. I will straight up say that. I loved hmm. it to death as a very deep X-Men person, but anyone else I would not recommend this to. So Astonishing X-Men, whew. Oh boy. And they didn't even have the special variant cover for this book, and I'm still peeved about see, this. See, 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 here's the crux of the argument. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, I would say devil's advocate to this and devil's advocate to every um, comic book publisher out there who um, their number one favorite phrase is new jumping on point, best jumping on point, which first off I have a problem with because obviously the phrase gets thrown around to a point that it means nothing. Uh, But beyond that, um, and maybe this is a slightly unpopular opinion, but maybe not every single book needs to be the most accessible like, like the, this is a scenario you're describing. Like, I don't see a problem with what one out of seven, maybe being a bit more mm, steeped in lore. 
Um, sure. Or, you know, sure. throws you up to your, you know, you know, you're up to your neck in it, you know, right off the bat. Because um, I do think there is sort of, and of course that turns into a whole treatise, but like, I think there is sort of a bit of an issue with attempting to take every single book and, you know, engineer it for this accessibility because... Like I said, just like what one minute ago, ninety percent of the time they're flat out lying about it being that accessible, or the fact that they've engineered it for that purpose. So I don't, I don't see a huge problem with what like a one out of seven being this way. Although, are you saying that outside of that ex- accessibility issues, you're having other problems with it, or that? Yeah. So f- I like this book for a couple of reasons um, that I won't really go into because it's it's full spoilers, so I don't want to be spoiler because this book is fairly recent. Sure. But there were things that I liked about it, but ultimately this book, by the time it was done, I was like, oh, oh, we're gonna, that's the hook? Like the hook felt in for like the next issue, the, the sudden thing that happens at the end, you know, felt so forced um, because sure. they spent like 30-ish or like 25 pages out of the 28 or whatever it was building up like the team coming together and it was the most bizarre thing in the entire world that made very little sense within the context of some of the characters um i mean like yeah you need it you need a reason for you know a call to action to bring everyone together but i think that there could have been they could have been a couple better executed ways to do that and nonetheless this book feels crammed with characters because i'm pretty sure there's like nine people on this team and I don't know how Soul is going to manage the the work or like the load of this book um, in the twenty two to twenty four page issue like size. So I'm I'm really hoping that he does something like he splits the teams up somehow, and he he kind of did. Half but like, of them are going to die next issue. Michael, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> pay attention to which ones aren't interacting well with the group or don't seem to yeah. have the ability. Well, they're not going to gonna kill. They're not going to kill old man Logan. So what are what are we going to do? I don't, I don't know. I I think this this book is off to a rough start. I mean, Soul is not a bad writer, so I I'm not trying to dis like say anything that he won't be able to handle it. I'm just concerned because this book felt really clunky to start, and that's not a good sign for a number one, um, especially with a top tier title like this and with a big franchise. Just worrisome, um, and it, you know, like out of the twelve X Men books that have come out, we're we're gonna lose at least four or five. So I'm mm. I'm worried that like we've got this huge big bang team that's on this book, and then it's gonna get cut after like four issues. Um, so we'll see. That's that's all. But I, we I don't want to I don't want to go any further on this. We've we've already spent way too much time talking about this one X Men book. Welcome back. It's been four weeks. Back to X Men. Um, let's we've, move on. We've, we've had a lot of feelings build up in these four weeks. Yeah. Uh, I promised salt in on Twitter. I did promise salt this week. Um, but that's because of the thing I'm going to talk about in a second, our comic picks for this week. Comics are out on August 2nd, 2017. Let's see what everyone's excited for or not excited for. Let's start with Brian. Well, I'm looking forward to uh, Darth Vader number four. Um, and not exclusively because I'm a giant Star Wars fanboy who buys everything Star Wars that comes out. That's probably why I picked up issue number one, but... It's been fun to watch. Uh, this is uh, Charles Sewell writing and Giuseppe Camoncoli on art. But it, it, it's fun to see like young, pissed-off Darth Vader. Because by the time we get to him in the movies and to the uh, the comics that followed the original trilogy, he's kind of like cooled off into this you know, monolithic murder force that 
everybody quakes in fear of. But mm-hmm. in this new Darth Vader series, he shows up. People are like, who the fuck is that? Oh, God, oh, God, my face. <laughs> are you saying this is a Darth Vader that, like, would have listened to the used? Is that is that, like, the Darth Vader phase <laughs> we're, we're dealing with right I now? I don't think I'd sully his <laughs> legacy like that. Um, sure. But... <laughs> Certainly, certainly some kind of Maybe AFI, Brian? Uh, Yeah, we'll go with that. Just because that's what I listened to during my pissed off youth. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's a side of Darth Vader where you can still see Anakin Skywalker. Um, Okay. And I think that that's a really interesting take on the character, and I'm excited to see where it goes. Let's let's quickly put you in a corner here, Brian. This is only issue four. But uh, and so you've only read three issues in this series. But uh, do you do you feel like you like this more than the previous iteration of Darth Vader? Do you like it less, or do you want to take the apples and oranges out and just say that they're fundamentally different things? I like this Darth Vader more. I think. I mean, okay. there there are moments in the other Darth Vader series I liked better. Um, all I'm surrounded by is fear and dead men springs to mind uh, the most Mm -hmm. badass scene in comics history Um, (laughs) but i mean that series also gave us dr afra and like i can't i can't put this above that because i fucking love dr afra gotcha that's fair Uh, yeah let, let, let me know when they reach the 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 thing that they were hyping this book for which was the origins of darth vader's lightsaber like i literally remember that line from the solicits and i went Oof, I mean, uh, wow, that's uh, you guys are really hyping this up a lot. Like, I hope there's a full issue of lightsaber assembly where he's like following blueprints and then he realizes he had the blueprint, you know, flipped the wrong way and he built it backwards and <laughs> right. hijinks ensue. It's I more like an IKEA that we've, thing. We've already kicked into that, like with issue issue two, we started oh, awesome. with that process. So right now it's him trying to find the crystal for his lightsaber, and because of where's the galactic hot topic you know they're like well we've got blue and green he's like you got anything a little bit more like hardcore well, and something to, that says due to the yada yada something that says daddy issues yeah yeah he, has to, yeah. Uh, he basically has to find somebody with a lightsaber kill them and take it and then corrupt the crystal so really he's basically like oh fuck we just killed all the jedi like now i gotta go fucking find another one god damn it like, I wish somebody had told oh, me about this a month ago. Like, <laughs> I was I was the... drowning in lightsaber crystals at that point. <laughs> that is, sorry, that is the funniest thing in the entire world to me. <laughs> um, okay, sorry, <laughs> but it's they're they're doing it well. I mean, it's kind of a silly conceit, but it's extremely well done. So awesome, uh, Nick. What about you? What are you excited for this week? We're gonna put you in the corner with your pick too. Yeah, that's fine. Um, my poll is short this week, which is fine, because last week was bad, the week before was worse. Um, so my pick is Green Arrow 28. Uh, this is part of the hard-traveling hero arc, which I think, and I'm sure hardcore Green Arrow fans are going to correct me on this, but I'm pretty certain this is an homage to a much older, older arc that did the same sort of thing possibly decades ago. Um, where Ali, each issue of this arc is uh, Oliver Queen teaming up with a different, possibly uh, 
super-powered, possibly better-known, possibly higher-profile DC superhero. Mm -hmm. Um, And this issue is going to be Wonder Woman. Uh, The cover looks fantastic. I I can't say it enough. I still feel like this is one of the most underrated books of the um, DC Rebirth. Uh, The fact that the art team of Juan Ferreira and Otto Schmidt has remained intact is still very impressive to me. Um, And what I really like about this book is that they've attempted to um, give it a real grounded feel, give it a real, like, he lives in Seattle, it's not some weird mythical city, it's not some made-up place, um, they are also attempting to rectify this whole stupid question of, is it Seattle, is it Star City, what's going on, which one is it, um, because, of course, there are these weird, like, magnetic or whatever ley lines that exist below the city, and they make up a star, because, pentagrams and shit right and that's sure that's the whole issue that's going on in the arc that precedes this hard traveling hero thing but uh it's it's a fantastic read it's a fun book ben percy is not getting the credit he deserves he is penning a fantastic book here and uh i i honest to god hope that everything sort of remains intact because i'm enjoying it a lot and the best kept secret about this book is that it really is a team book it it says it's green arrow but honestly this is basically a team book between him and black canary and diggle and uh, emiko his half sister um it, it really is more of a group effort and i've really enjoyed it for that so gotcha and so, um, um, let me put you in the corner, Nick. Do you prefer uh, Green Arrow with or without the goatee? I, I just got to ask that question. <laughs> you know, it's funny because it's a it's a great honestly, uh, it's a great question because normally I don't. I'm still a big Jeff Lemire, Andrea Sorrentino run fan, and because of that, I'm actually okay without the goatee because I believe firmly that the goatee follows the slippery slope down to the Robin Hood hat and the stupid one liners and the casual uh slash not so casual harassment of black canary um Uh so i believe that the goatee is frequently a step in the wrong direction um the goatee is a warning sign (laughs) (laughs) yeah but the way otto schmidt draws facial hair is so oddly like geometric and 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 sort of rough and pointed to a way that um, as long as we don't end up with the Robin Hood hat, which is what I consider stage two of the Green Arrow douche meter, <laughs> as long as we don't hit the Robin Hood hat, like, I think we're okay for now. Don't worry, I'm very carefully monitoring this. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's, it's, it's a thankless job. <laughs> um, for me this week, uh, I'm, I'm lukewarm about Seven to Eternity number eight. This book that I've been kind of championing for a while, um, or at least trying to, I really love the opening arc of this story, and now I'm kind of wondering what the fuck is going on, Charles Soule, because stories are hard. Remender, or, right? sorry, sorry, Rick Remender. That's that's my bad. What the fuck so is going Charles on? Charles Soule is, is on every other book in the world right now. <laughs> yes, but. yeah, or Matt Kent. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm kind of wondering what what's going on with this series. Uh, Seven to Eternity is kind of taking a left turn, and I don't really know why, because we were on a pretty good path of solid story with enough surprise that we didn't need to take a left turn. Like, the, nothing in the story to me was getting stale. And because we were still discovering the world, and then we finally took this left turn in the last, I guess, issue six, issue seven. Um, we lost a character, some of the things. We got some origin 
we got like I don't know issue seven just it felt so strange to me so I'm really hoping that issue eight gets us right back on track and we catch up with our main character and the Mud King and some other things that are going on that I don't want to spoil too much but it had a kind of big question mark on this issue so in my notes I said how are you going to clean this up mate because that's what I'm genuinely wondering so Remender please please keep me on this book please keep me interested I really just want to love this book like the art is still top-notch fantastic beautiful the more we can get of the piper the more my life will be better because he's a man with a flute that kills you for fun so come on like you you you, you've already got me out there with some absurdity just keep the story in like a in like a less topsy-turvy fashion and we should be fine so that's that's me i don't know have you heard the singles of that book are like worth a lot of money right now oh really yeah, I did not know that. Yeah, well, that's I've what got I've been all hearing. of them. Well, there you go. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't know why. I don't know if there's talk of it being adapted or it. It was approved to be adapted, but yeah, I was in my comic shop a while ago, and and the guy who runs it was saying that those issues have gone up a lot in value recently, well, like kind of crazy. But good to know. My yeah. number one is signed, so. <laughs> Jeez, well, uh, yeah, I think it's actually signed to me, so you know, fuck me, right? But so that whatever. With tens of dollars, Mike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm sure to someone else named Mike, it might actually, you know, carry over okay. So Mike's only variant edition. <laughs> <laughs> For our show this week, we are discussing our Goodreads pick of the month. It is Superman Red Sun by Mark Miller, <laughs> and I'm not going to mispronounce his name, Mark Miller, Dave Johnson, and Killian Plunkett. Uh, this is a book published by DC in 2003, question mark? I don't have the year actually written down, but nonetheless, we did read it. It is a three-issue miniseries in an alternate timeline about what if, basically asking the question, what if Superman landed in Soviet Russia rather than Kansas, United States? So to start the discussion, I guess we'll just go with a broad question. What did you guys think of this book? Like going into it, I think it's very obvious what this story is going to be about, but ultimately, um, what did you think? And full spoilers for Superman Red Sun, just to get that out of the way, because we always forget on the show. So uh, let's start with you, Nick. What, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, first off, I want to say, uh, like, I hope there's someone who, like, every week is like, oh, thank goodness, this one is spoiler-free, and then, like, gets, like, 30 <laughs> minutes in, and they're like, not again. I've been thwarted. <laughs> Sorry, One folks. of these times. One of these times. No, we're getting better. We really are. Um Overall thoughts on Red Sun. Um, going in, you know, I, I will admit, uh, I judge a book by its cover. Maybe not always literally the cover, but it does happen subconsciously or not. Uh, and yes, uh, Superman was a little bit of a strike one. Um, Mark Miller was a little bit of a strike two. Um, <laughs> that did not help. Um, for me, Mark Miller is a little bit of a crapshoot. And, and, of course, Superman, don't get me wrong, I'm aware that there are good stories out there. I've read a bunch of them. I've read Grant Morrison's Superman. I've read um, Jeff Loeb's uh, A Superman for All Seasons. I think that's the one with Tim Sale. Yeah. Uh, and, and I really like both of those stories. Uh, but, of course, there's still always this anxiety of how do you 
deal with Superman in a way that keeps him from uh, not killing everyone and, and destroying everything, and then someone inevitably has kryptonite. But right. but in terms of this book overall, yes, placing it in a different scenario, I think this is technically Earth-30, if you go by the New 52 multiverse rules, which, of course, everyone has their multiverse rule book. I don't need to mention this. Everyone's <laughs> clearly turned to page 192 like I am, so you know this. I'm not telling you anything you don't you don't know. You, you're you all well-versed in, in, in DC multiverse. Yes. Um, no, you know, not at what all. Not. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean the the detailed but, cosmology is why we all come to these books. Yeah. Exactly, so. exactly. Yeah. We're 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 here to we're we're here to discuss uh, that stuff primarily. But I think the way in which Mark Miller couched the idea of saying like it's an interesting what if scenario. Um, what if he ends up in in Russia and in the service of the USSR? Um, does that change him? Conversely, does he change them? Uh, and of course, how do those interactions on a larger scale uh, change American history, change global history, um, the whole butterfly effect, if you will, um, uh, minus Ashton Kutcher sort of rippling outwards. And I think those sorts of situations are always fascinating. Uh, and I think the temptation to not automatically flip the switch, so to speak, on Superman and just be like, well, he was with the good guys before in this story. He's with the bad guys. And how do we find a way of stopping him? For me, that would have been the easy way out of this book. The very easy way out of this Mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. And instead, he says, what if Superman is holding true to certain internal you know, um, you know, incontrovertible values, um, the likes of which he also held when he was sort of, quote-unquote, I guess you could say, um, uh, America's Superman. You know, what if he holds on to those values and those values are in conflict with the you know, nationalism and, and the geographic location in which he's been placed? Right. And I think that was the, the, the tough route to take and Mark Miller took it, and I applaud him for that because that not only makes his job a lot tougher as a writer, but it creates a level of conflict in this book that I think is much more engaging. And so you also end up rooting for Superman, but in a different context than before. And then obviously, as the book plays out, you start to end up on this emotional roller coaster of just who is the bad guy? Who am I supposed to root for? Uh, and and if anything else, I thoroughly love Dave Johnson as an artist, much like Alex Ross. Here you have an artist who's largely known for cover work, mostly doing covers throughout his career. Right, right. right. I see him Nick, doing let, Nick, let me let me interrupt you really quick. Let me interrupt. Yeah, you. Just, sure. No, just sorry, because I, I I know we can talk about the art in a second. Just wanted a quick yeah, yeah, overview. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Before, yeah, no, that's fine. Uh, but I do want to touch on one thing that you mentioned. Um, that two two of our re- or regular or contributors, I should say, on Goodreads pointed out about the the nature of the character of Superman. Um, Alex from the group said, "Do we grow up with the same confidence and swagger of you know being a good person, or do we evolve into it in a different way based on how we are raised?" Uh, he said, mm-hmm. "That for me is the magic of this book and literature in general." But I mean, in this book, I think your points your point that you the thing that you pointed out stands that you know Superman still intrinsically has this need to do good, which I thought was an interesting. Point. And another another um, contributor said, uh, Chris, 
What's his name? Red Sun asked an interesting question about Superman. Is his benevolent disposition towards humanity the result of nature or nurture? That is, is he good because he was raised to be good, or will he always be the hero despite his upbringing? Which I think is kind of the like the umbrella in which this book sits. Um, as we as you read throughout the three issues, I mean that seems to be very clear. There is an answer. But before we go into that even further, Brian, what were your overall thoughts of this book? Overall, I enjoyed it. I think I liked it a lot more when I read it in college. Um, okay, okay. Just because I think I was a lot more obsessed with what-if scenarios back then. Instead of, you know, like... Instead of asking, what if Superman was raised in the USSR? I'm asking, you know, what if I just didn't pay rent this month? Um, <laughs> much more dangerous questions to be asking yourself. Sure, um, sure. I found myself frequently rolling my eyes during reading this. Um, okay. Anytime that Lex Luthor... You, you ought to get that checked out, Brian. Anytime Lex Luthor <laughs> was on the page, I just instinctively started making like the jerking off motion with the one hand. <laughs> because every scene of Lex Luthor is just him masturbating. Oh, I God. mean, sure. Yeah. I was like, we'll, oh, we'll I'm reading Machiavelli. There, yeah, okay, <laughs> there, are, there are thoughts to be shared on this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we can go into that in a moment, yeah. Uh, well, ultimately, I don't know. This is this is a middle-of-the-road experience for me. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I think, um, I mean, my overall thoughts about this book are pretty much that yeah, I think I definitely enjoyed it more when I was in college. There were some there were some large chunks that I just totally forgot about. And so in rereading this book, I mean, I think I read this must have been 2007, 2008. So quite a bit a while ago, quite a while ago. And with that being said, I mean, I remember thinking like, this is so kick ass. Look at this poor version of Batman. Look at this change in the thing. And somehow this happened and Diana shows up and Lo- Lo- Lois Lane is all, you know. I thought there were some cool things that went on. I liked the way that they... They switched the U.S. presidency where Nixon became president and was assassinated and JFK, you know, survived. Um, there, there were some interesting points, but ultimately, yeah, I, I was kind of middle of the road. Um, I think in, when this came out, this book was pretty revolutionary, right? So it, it, when we're looking back on books like this, I think it's one, one thing to keep in mind is that like this, a book like this pretty much, I think it kicked a lot of ass if I'm remembering correctly, um, because it was so, it was such a different, such a quote unquote edgy take on this character. And now we, we've seen that, we've seen Mark Miller do this a hundred times over, so maybe it feels um, kind of bland in comparison. Like we're not talking about something like, uh, that fucking evil Iron Man book that he did that I can't remember the name of, uh, Nemesis. Oh God! You know we're we're so pushed to the extreme or like in comparison, like this is a baby's book. This is doesn't or really even push the envelope or envelope. So, I mean, but nonetheless, there were there were some things like to Brian's point, I think, where it was like, okay, Lex, like get the fuck over yourself. Like, what are you actually trying to accomplish? But that to me was like Luther. Him trying to show off Luther's intelligence in that he is the smartest man in the world. So, overall, um, I didn't hate this book. Um, I don't think I loved it as much as I used to, but I don't think by any means that this is like a bad book, um, like a bad comic. I think it's still pretty well put together. Um, I know Miller having an editor helps a lot, too. But ultimately, mm-hmm. yeah, this is this is a fun take on Superman. Um, if you haven't read some like any other Elseworlds scenarios and you're really into Superman, it's kind of like a a lot of nods and a lot of um, fun references, like Jimmy Olsen being 
the badass CIA agent, or at least the, 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 vice the liaison. President. Yeah, vice president eventually. So, yeah. But um, I guess into the more intricacies of this story, I know, Nick, you were going to go into the art before I, you know, basically told you to shut up for a second um (laughs) in regards to as you should yeah in regards to dave johnson's work i actually i feel like i've seen his work but i can't remember from what else so i think you have some more context on that yeah sure i mean i've seen a lot of his work um with valiant recently uh he's done some fantastic bloodshot reborn covers um He's done some covers for the latest uh, EXO Man of War series. I just picked, literally picked one up yesterday. Um, he also has done DC work. He was doing a lot of fantastic covers during um, Palmiotti and Gray's um, All-Star Western during the New 52. Okay. So I'm used to seeing him doing cover work, and usually there's a certain level of anxiety that comes when you have someone who does a lot of cover work that then switches to interiors because you're like, Oh man, uh, first off, is this issue gonna like hit press on time? First off, uh, and then beyond that, um, I don't want to stereotype, but frequently a lot of these people that tend to largely do covers, they don't always capture um, the knowledge or have a strong handle on panel work, so to speak. Like, and again, I know, Nick, you've got a target on this guy's back all the time, but Alex Ross and Kingdom Come, to me, feels like a lot of paintings. Hmm. Just sitting around, they, they all feel so static, and I think it's a lot of times because these artists and whatnot aren't used to people telling them, like, I need six massively smaller pictures on this page conveying motion instead of one gorgeous, beautiful picture. Hmm. Um uh, but I feel like Dave Johnson handles interior pencils and panel work really, really well. I think the character designs for this are fantastic. Uh, there was a really hilarious note in my version, um, which I think was like the new digital version, where Dave Johnson points out that a lot of his co-creator friends gave him shit for the Batman hat, but he liked it, so he's like, oh, yeah. too bad. The, ba- the Batman hat is staying. <laughs> I love I the love Batman that hat. <laughs> Yeah, but I love I, that scene where he's wearing that stupid hat and he leans over to a mini fridge in a shitty ass depot and pulls out a couple beers and starts chugging beers. I was like, like this book gets a bonus two points on a scale out of ten just for that hilarious scene. Yeah, yeah, Com- See, Comrade Brian's Batman completely was right. one of my favorite parts. Of yeah, book. Comrade Batman. Yeah, yeah. But I, I think Brian's completely right. Once, and I should mention this because I'm sure people maybe don't think this, but being quote unquote the DC guy who's reading this book, this is actually the first time I've read this book. I'd never actually read this book before, um, possibly because of those two strikes I mentioned earlier. Uh, and yeah, there are certain things that as time goes on or you read other things, this book doesn't quite end up as shocking or as monumental. Um, I mean, once you've seen Pilgrim Batman and Caveman Batman, <laughs> yeah. um, Soviet Batman is not quite as shocking. Right. But um, uh, that aside, like I want to go back to what Brian was saying real quick about Lex Luthor. And what is the deal with... I feel like both Luthor and Superman are like turned up to 11 in this book. Like, powers-wise, Superman is above and beyond anything I've ever seen before. Um, his yeah. hearing, his senses are on a scale that I've never seen before. And he takes down Wonder Woman easily. He dismantles the whole Green Lantern Corps. 
um, Brainiac. He he gets rid of his whole rogues gallery within a matter of seconds, and it's like I don't really understand. And I wish maybe Mark Miller would have found a way to <laughs> explain why he's absolutely fucking insane in this book. Luther on the same thing. He's like, by the way, right now I'm playing. 80 games of chess, I'm learning Urdu, and I just balanced the U.S. budget with an equation. Here <laughs> yeah. you go. You'll have to plug in the numbers yourself. And I'm like, when was he ever fucking this smart? Are you kidding and me? that big a dick about it. <laughs> well, I feel like Lex Luthor is constantly a dick about how smart he is and just how much better, or I guess how better he is than people. Why like, don't you go build your green power armor you fucking love so much? Yeah, well, Why aren't you doing that? Yeah. Yeah. God. <laughs> His Korean I mean, purple power suit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where's the power suit? So, you were wasting your time. You could be building a power suit. Yeah. So I, I'm really curious. So you guys, I'm assuming, read this in digital format, right? Yes. Okay. So I have the actual, I have physical copies of this book, um, physical copies of the individual issues that I picked up at a con a long, long time ago that have been on my shelf forever. Sure. And I, I've never cracked them open before um because because oh. i had read this digitally like a, a long time ago or I, maybe i think i had borrowed someone you, you, Actually, had, you, know, you I, had the trade i had the trade that's that's correct. that was how i read it the first time was borrowing it from you right um and yeah I, I think i gave that trade away when i moved but um yeah so i have the single issue so reading that i didn't there was no commentary it was just a book um, which is really interesting to see, like getting hearing your um, mentioning Nick of Dave Johnson's notes on this book. Um, I think it'd be really in, it's really interesting to hear from authors in that regard from a book like this that has gotten so much or had so much notoriety, like to the point where they've made, you know, there are rumors that they might make a Red Sun movie. There's you know so many like Henry Cavill apparently took this took the role of Superman because he loved this book as well as a couple of other Superman stories. Um, yeah. and, and there's been a bunch it's of merchandise. Popular, yeah. The Injustice games they have character skins that are Red Sun themed, right? You know, and I mean, yeah, the character designs are great. I love it. Yeah, I yeah, think it looks fantastic. Um, um, yeah. So, like, I guess reading that, like, it's, did you guys get a different experience? I, I know this time around, Brian, you said you read it digitally versus when you read it in trade. Um, what did you think? Did you, was there like a, a stark difference? Or I, that's always my question when we're reading, you know, digital versus physical copies of books. Sometimes. The, the big the big issue that I ran into was just using uh, I was reading it on my computer because I don't I don't have a tablet or anything like that I just have like an iPhone 4e or whatever like old shitty mm -hmm. iPhone mm -hmm. um, so I had to use guided view because otherwise it was too small and I had to like lean forward over my desk to read it Right. And the guided view of the Hoopla digital Distorted. thing, it's not great. Uh, right. You got to use stretch to fit, Brian. <laughs> that's a that's a Comixology fast tip for all of you uh, casual Comixology well, users Well, if it was on there. Comixology, that would have been different. But it was on Hoopla, which is like the... Oh, the I've heard things about their the guided library, view. Which, yeah. like, it's, yep. it gets the job done, but, you know, and sure. I'm not trying to blow smoke or anything but after using comiXology's guided view it's there's everything else is trash yeah i mean <laughs> straight up and we already know how i feel about libraries so um. <laughs> you can't go back into them um yeah okay so that's right that's interesting so okay yeah so i guess reading it in the guided view was it just like 
super grainy or something or, or like i don't know i don't know if that's an issue with hoopla i've never actually used hoopla they before. they cut off the panels weird sometimes so you'll get like a part of one panel and with another one gotcha um Ugh, gross it's it's not great and some books are better than other ones but it's also it's at the top of the screen it's like top center justified instead of just being in the center of the page oh okay it's like that's not a big deal but it is something that like an anal retentive book dork like myself tends to get mad about like right it's right. poor it's poor layout and you know i i married somebody who lays books out for a living so mm-hmm. so yeah nick i guess was the guided I, I don't know if you read it in guided view if you read it in your 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 pro tip fit to width version or something like that. I know you have like an ancient computer from 1962. So how did you yeah. read that? <laughs> how did you read the book? Look, after it took 18 hours to boot up and then I continually wound the crank to to keep the, the generators running. Um, yeah, I, I prefer for the most part to read in stretch to fit because I find guided view frequently um, distorts. Uh, and especially with older works or works that maybe weren't that maybe weren't originally intended for digital or were adapted to digital, um, or maybe the, the the scans aren't quite high def. And don't quote me on this because I don't remember whether or not Red Sun's file on Comixology is technically labeled as high def or not, but definitely there, it felt like there was more distortion than normal. And so I just um, went stretch to fit, which honestly, a lot of people out there, if you're having problems with your comicsology experience, reading experience, go stretch to fit. It looks great. Um, I don't have any issues with it. So, gotcha. Cool. Well, so I mean, there you go. There's there's my plug. Sorry, I mean, really weird tangent about that. I just I'm always curious no. about that stuff because I think we you know we all read it on a different format, so it's kind of interesting to hear the different experiences but outside of that we're okay so we've kind of been like poo-pooing a little bit on this book were there other things like in the no, book no. that were like really good do you think were, were delivered or executed well well like i said um mark miller clearly had a couple narrative moments when creating and designing this book where he could have had some very uh easy outs and some easy outs that i think nonetheless would have still been very crowd pleasing to a lot of readers um, he could have he could have phoned this in in a lot of ways, and the sad truth is there still would have been a lot of people who would have been like, "But he's still Russian. That's so edgy. Like that alone is edgy enough." Yeah. And this is you know it's Watchmen Part Two, and so <laughs> yeah. uh, that being said, I think there were there was a level of nuance that maybe doesn't feel as as nuanced now as it did as as it would have. Ben, if I and this is this is me now speculating about theoretically reading books ten years before I ever read them. I think if I had read this ten years ago, I would have been like, oh well, you know, that's like let's write a whole fifteen-page literary criticism essay on this. And now I'm like, well, it's more nuanced than I thought. Uh, I do like a lot of the speculative timeline stuff that you guys have been talking about with with Nixon becoming president before JFK and. Was JFK's wife supposed to be Marilyn Monroe now? Was that I, I think that they, was how yeah. I was supposed to be reading between that, the lines on they that. They that he's the first president to divorce and remarry in office. Yeah. And they show what appears to be his wife, and they don't spell it out, but I'm pretty certain that's supposed to be Marilyn Monroe. Oh, they say uh, so. Norma Jean. 
yeah, they say Norma Jean, which is Marilyn Monroe's original name. Real name. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I do feel like there's some fun stuff that if you're a fan of American history, um, if you're a fan of world history, um, Mark Miller slips it by and thankfully does not wink and nod at you and say, you know, did you get it? Because Norma Jean is Marilyn Monroe. And that is (laughs) interesting because it is speculated that he had an affair with her and she's saying happy birthday, Mr. President. And here's the Wikipedia (laughs) link. No, 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 no. Mark Miller just says, oh, it's Norma Jean. And I think that that's fun. I think that that's fun because there's little things like that. And if you get it, you get it. And there's a little bit more enjoyment and it makes you feel like Mark Miller took the time to really delve into that era of um of history and i i do like that aspect of it um a good amount uh and i do also like the idea that it plays with the whole issue of you know superman can't save everyone right but and that's sort of the real maybe the real moral dilemma of of superman narratives in the past but now it asks what if superman was in a position where he probably could. And what happens when Superman basically becomes the world's worst micromanager yeah. because of that? Yeah. Which, uh, and that's interesting to me. Yeah. Before, I want to talk about the end of this book really quick, but to touch on your bit about history, I thought uh, Jason from the group had a had a quote that I thought was kind of funny. He said, it's, it's a fun read, talking about the book, uh, but Stalin's embrace of the Kryptonian child didn't ring true to, so- to true Soviet history. <laughs> <laughs> Which mm-hmm. like is is kind of funny. I I don't know enough about Soviet history to know if Stalin well, would neither. adopt a super child or not. But <laughs> but it's... the book even does get at the idea that as as Stalin's you know secret police guy says you know to Superman, I don't understand why he embraces you because you are the antithesis of 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 our beliefs which is that every man is equal and here you are displaying you know characteristics that are clearly um not of this world right uh and i love that he's born in ukraine so even then you have this idea of like yeah you're part of us but you're also not really part of us so yeah i i think that that was I, and I, I forget that ukraine wasn't originally part of russia like I, I don't know enough about the world like i think i've said this before on the show i'm uncultured i don't really know a lot so um i will totally own up to that um, yeah i think the only reason it worked is that by the time stalin like found out about him he'd already become super powered and so right. he was useful and that's why stalin embraced him yeah because um, he just grew up on like you know, a shitty little dirt farm Commune. in yeah. Ukraine up until that point. Yeah. So Here's another thing we need to talk about. Can we talk about the superfluous cameos in this book? If there is one thing I have an issue with, it's the cameos that are for cameos sake and are stupid. Like what? Um, okay, so the Jimmy Olsen one is fine. Obviously, he's more than a cameo, but I love that instead of shitting on him or, or killing him like the, the new DC movies did. Yeah. Good God. Was that a shocker? Um, they go ahead and they, they, they fucking make him vice president. But like Oliver Queen is like working for the Daily Planet. Did oh, I yeah. not understand that right? Or yeah, is yeah. that yeah. what was going on? Yeah. Because that was weird. And that did not ring true at all. And they did mention um, Barry Allen as well as like he was out on some murder thing so he couldn't show yeah, up to some and his, party. Yeah, his wife was working for the, the Daily Planet, right. Iris West. Yep. Yeah. Um, so that one I was kind of like, okay. Um, 
the Hal Jordan was fine. I was okay with that. The fact that they oh, Guy couldn't Gardner. resist taking Guy Gardner showed up. No, for not like, Guy. Or who was Kyle? Kyle. Kyle, yeah. D- Kyle Rayner showed other up, one. and they couldn't resist know. making fun of him for five seconds. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was kind of uh, interesting as well. I'm trying to think of what other ones I there was, was like, his, uh, oh, okay. his childhood crush. Yeah, Lana Lang. Yeah. Yeah. Not Lana Lang anymore, though. <laughs> and they did such a real shitty job attempting to make it clear with her name that it's like Lana Langs, and then there's like an S or a Z on the end or something where it's like, see, she's Russian now. Yeah. Um, it was just like, but, like an awkward uh, like page stuffed in the middle of like him finding her in a bread line and then giving her a job at the Superman Museum. Yeah, like... Yeah, right, yeah. right. I thought the implement, implementation of Wonder Woman was interesting. I love that Stalin is this fucking idiot who, like, Hippolyte is like, well, you know, we're thinking about allying with you. You guys seem to have some good policies in regards to, to women's rights. Maybe you don't have the the best in terms of human rights on the whole. Uh, and then he's like, well, why don't we go discuss this in my bedroom? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We're going to have sex. And she's like, and that's why we're a little bit hesitant to really <laughs> yeah. hang out with you that much, okay? Uh, and I'm like, good God, world leader, keep it in your fucking pans, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Um, so, um, I, I mean, yeah, sorry, were there more cameos that you wanted to discuss? Because we really should try to wrap this up. I do want to talk about yeah, the end of this Don't worry. Book. Those are all the ones I can come up with. But I felt like that was another itty-bitty little thing that Mark Miller could have been like, you know what? The gang does not need to be all here. Sure. Like, okay. Sure. It's not to mention Woman. there was no t- mention of any other world power, but like, I think that that didn't matter. Like, I, it ultimately came down to we they were trying to tell a Superman story, and part of Superman's life is this Justice League group. But let's figure out where they ended up being, like where they ended up because they were no sure. longer part of this Justice League. Um, but so with the end of this book. Um, again, you know, we're already into this, but full spoilers for the end of this book, you know, it turns out that there's this whole time travel thing and that like, like when Superman disappears from the world, humanity prospers. Um, but the question I think remains, could if humanity, could humanity have prospered had it not been for Superman or was Lex Luthor going to, you know, still become the great Lex Luthor that he became? You know, I think that was an interesting. That's an interesting question to pose about this because Lex Luthor only started to work so hard simply because he was trying to outwit and destroy right. Superman for no other reason other than he was like, "There can be no one better than me." That <laughs> like motherfucker for his own beat me at chess. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the Bizarro beat him at chess. Like, <laughs> fucking. What a ridiculous <laughs> moment! In the, like Bizarro shows up, and then he's immediately killed. But like Lex's whole thing is fuck my whole life. I need to kill Superman because his clone beat me at chess. Like what a what a ridiculous moment in the story. Um, but the end of this book, like, what did you guys think of the whole like infinite loop of it? Uh, yeah, I go go ahead, go ahead, Brian. Sorry, I I didn't see it coming. So in that sense, it was effective as like a twist ending. But it's also one of those twist endings where, like, you look at it for a minute and then you go, oh, wait, no, I didn't see it coming because it doesn't make any sense. Like, because they don't establish anything about, like, why the yellow sun would give a human their powers or anything like that. Like, Mm -hmm. nothing is established for why he has powers except for, like, they mention a pill that means you don't have to sleep anymore. And, like, this family is very good at science. So of the course, end. when they yeah. send their son back in time, given infinite numbers of powers. family members and yeah, yeah. And infinite years of time, they will eventually. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
yeah this book is like the ultimate of like fast forwards at the end they're like by the way <laughs> 57 generations by, down all yeah. of this happens yeah yeah and at the end i was like oh okay um wait wait hold on wait wait what how wait wikipedia help me please yeah um and then wikipedia is like this is called a predestination paradox and i'm like at least i have a fucking name for it now <laughs> um and they're like I was like, let's make sure I understood this right. So now the end of the book sets up the beginning of the book. Yeah, and it's see, like, yeah. And I'm like, why? See, what I thought. Why do you need that? What, th- what I thought could have been a better twist ending is the whole, you know, we have to send him back in time to save humanity or something like that. But at the same time, I would have preferred if the end would have been Superman landing in the United landing States. Landing in America? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what came to mind that's, for me, that's too. What I, I was like, was I know happen. where this book is going, and I'm happy yeah. with that ending. Yeah. So the fact that he ends up in, in you know, in, uh, excuse me, in the Ukraine at the end, um, I mean, I guess works in this whole predestination paradox, like Nick mentioned. But, um, yeah, it, it still felt a little, like, ham-fisted. Um, in a, in a couple of ways, like sure, it all kind of makes sense. Like, but Earth is still Earth. Like, and these people have history. And if they're so smart, like you'd think that they'd at least be able to track their history a little bit. Um, but it- Michael, let me let, let me set the scene for you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Final panel, Kansas, old pickup truck running down a dust road, just a just throwing up a huge dust cloud behind it, and off in the distance, in the middle of a cornfield, you see a little meteorite explosion. Final panel of the book perfect i got you yeah yeah okay so i mean regardless you know of that like this book it kind of i I think i described it to nick when he first started reading it i was like it's got a little bit of a gotcha ending um and i think at the time this was a pretty solid way to end the book um in the sense that like the world is cyclical in that regard so if it's a contained universe and it's not supposed to be connected to the regular dcu then that's fine and I think that, that that makes the story work. And in 2003, like, like it, it. Yeah, it, it was very contained. And it wasn't trying to say, like, oh, this caused the next universe. No, no, no. It, it is itself. And that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah. I mean, again, seeing this nowadays, we've seen 100,000, you know, time travel bullshit endings at this point. We've all seen Doctor Who. So, you know, at the end of the day, like, it seems a little overdone and it kind of feels blah. But... I, I do want to just bring back that idea of in 2003, this may have been pretty cool. Um, yeah. So let's not take it like completely out of context there. Uh, so yeah, anyways, yeah. I, I don't know if you guys, final thoughts on the book? Because um, we'll just wrap up here. Sure. Yeah. Brian? Final thought. Um, it's a good book that I don't think is standing, is standing the test of time. Yeah. Uh, I, I think what both of you said is is, is very valid. I think... It's a book that we've been spoiled in a lot of ways because for all of the talk about how much comics are getting worse or comics are getting bad, I feel like we've definitely made some progress in certain mature themes and explorations of different ideas. And so we've been spoiled by other people that have possibly been inspired by this book Mm -hmm. and taken on similar ideas and similar theories. And so, of course, the key... um, uh, bit of information in my mind to be gleaned from that of course is that you have to you know give give respect where respect is due and say well maybe maybe this paved the road in certain ways and not be like a lot of other people these days that are like you know what I've seen it before 
and not go, well, why have you seen this before? Right, right. There's a reason. There's a reason for that, okay? It's because they saw this. So. Cool. Yeah, I think. I'd say read it. I, I would say it's, it's on, at least on an artistic level, if you have an appreciation of good art, it's good. If you have an appreciation of speculative history, I think it's got value. Yeah. I, my final takeaway from this book is, yeah, kind of similar to Nick's um, I and Brian's. I mean, I think ultimately we're, we're saying this is a book you should read. Um, it may not be the best book you, you'll ever read, but at, like in, in terms of comic history in the last 20 years, this is a pretty solid story um, that you could pick up and as like an alternate to your regular, you know, monthly comic books. Um, I think Mark Miller, despite how often we shit on him on this show, um, he is capable of writing a good story. And I think we always add that caveat when we're talking about him. And I think this is proof. This is one of those books that he can tell a very solid, deliverable, or complete story in a miniseries without leading you on for anything else. Um, so ultimately, yeah, read this book. It's a it's a pretty solid read. So. It's the end of the show. We're doing our new credits thing. Four weeks off, so I'm pretty rusty at this. But we will start with talking about... You should follow us all on Twitter. Um, you can follow Brian at at Brian Head, not the mountain. You're not technically a ski resort, right? No, there is a Brian Head Ski Lodge. That's not me. Okay, good. So Brian Head on Twitter. You can follow Nick and his super private account, if he lets you, uh, at Death Star Plans. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> D-E-T-H-P-L-N-Z Star is spelled like it should be um, Death Star Plans Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a whole crazy thing Find it in the show notes You can follow me on Twitter at, at Mike Rappin You can follow the show at IRCB Podcast We retweet a bunch of random stuff At all hours of the night I find myself 3 in the morning I'm like, cool thing, let's retweet it um, We also have weekly polls every Friday um, This week's, I think, was Which is the best weird team-up um, and I just put some random shit together. It's really fun. I have a lot of fun in the middle of the day just making those polls up off the top of my head. So go follow us there. Um, you can also, uh, and Nick, this is your thing. I'll let you say this. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that we have a Goodreads group, the I Read Comic Books uh, Goodreads group. There are a lot of weekly threads that you can participate in um, about what you've been up to, what you're reading, what you think about the current book of the month, what are your thoughts on um, comic books in, in broader mediums like TV and movies. Uh, there's something there for everyone, and there's someone there who will probably disagree with your opinion and vehemently. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Everyone, everyone on the Goodreads group is is for the most part very well behaved. Un- um, I did join, nice. so maybe it's not as true anymore. Yeah, yeah. Now that Nick is actually on the group, it's actually very hostile. Um, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but really. To- <laughs> I was just saying that everybody on there is like uncannily nice, like yeah, like suspiciously it's, it's a, nice. It's a really pleasant comic book forum, so go join that. If you like being responded to in articulate thoughts and full sentences, that might be a place you want to go. You can also visit us at our sexy, sexy website, ircb.us. Or actually, what it should be is ircbpodcast.com. I just forgot to change up the notes, sorry. Oh, ircbpodcast.com. <laughs> dot, dot Mike is a liar. Dot gov. <laughs> um, does the old site redirect to the new does. site, Michael? It does. It does redirect. Perfect. Perfect. Right. So I'm not. I'm not wrong. Exactly. You're, you're not wrong. No. Just an asshole. Um, you can also please, please, please rate, subscribe, tell your friends. Uh, those iTunes reviews, I know, like it doesn't seem like it matters, but it really does help our show find a wider audience, and uh, then you'll have more people to talk about the show with, which is always nice, you know. Um, 
Um, you know, you're also free to just give us a shout out on Twitter. Just uh, throw a CC to us with the at IRCB podcast Twitter account. And uh, we'll probably like your tweet, which may give you a little rush. It always does me. <laughs> I just I see a mention and I just immediately go, oh, that was that was nice. And then I'll usually respond with something ridiculous. <laughs> On the flip side, if you've wisely uh, sworn off social media because of the, you know, um, uh, increasing surveillance state that is becoming uh, America, um, you can email the show at ircb at destroythesibe.org. Um, Michael does actually respond to emails. We are, you know, it's it's 1998 all over again. Yeah. Uh, if you have a if you have a Hotmail address, Mike would will definitely respond to you. Yes. If you have a Yahoo, no way in hell. <laughs> Nick is totally right about all of that, except for where he's wrong. I will respond to any email for the most part. Um, <laughs> even if it's just even if it's just to ask, why are you still using Hotmail? <laughs> yeah. Well, I have gotten an email from someone at AOL, and I was just impressed that that's still a thing. Uh, so to to round out the show, Infinity Shred is, does the music for the show. They're the absolute freaking best band in the world. I love them to death. Um, you should go check out their music on Bandcamp or at their website, InfinityShred.com. Xander is a wizard. He also edits the show. Um, he was in Switzerland, and you know he he took some really cool pictures. And now I'm really jealous that he got to go to Switzerland. Uh, I don't know why I'm telling you. I just thought I'd let you know. And I do want... <laughs> We're just bearing our Speaking souls. Speaking of surveillance so, <laughs> state. Um, yeah, so... Follow us thank on you. Twitter at Where is Xander. <laughs> yeah. uh, I do want to say thank you for listening to the show. Thank you so much for all of your time and effort. If you take, took the survey, thank you for taking the survey. I'm sorry this episode is so long. We just had so much to say. We've had four weeks off. It's a lot of pent-up, salty frustration. So thank you for joining us. And we will catch you next week. guys seen this marvel legacy bullshit where ghost rider's on a fucking mammoth yo ghost rider's trying to real? flaming mammoth it's a mammoth <laughs> is that like the are... like with the the bruce banner totally awesome hulk crossover <laughs> type thing i have no idea i can't stop talking in this voice though um <laughs> here let me... second half yeah uh oh, so oh, oh marvel legacy. there's a link i put it in the ircb uh chat it's <laughs> just the Who Avengers are the Avengers of, of 1 million BC? <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. I saw, God damn. I saw, I saw a cover of the whole thing. I don't remember where, but I was just like, what the fuck? And someone reminded me that the Ghost Rider one exists, and it's him on a fucking flaming mammoth. So, I'm here for it, Welcome though. to like, comic books. Like, I'll this read is that. Like, like, fuck. Who did that art? Mike... I have no idea. Dedo Dado? Dedo Dado. I don't Isn't know. Is that his name? Um, I think I've heard of him before. Here we go. Yeah, Mark, uh, Mike Diodado Jr. and Matt yeah. Wilson. Yeah, here's the full picture. I'll send you guys that. Well, um, you know, I've, I've always said, like, Ghost Rider is, takes himself too seriously and is freaking ta- frequently taken so seriously by other people that... He's he's just a character that lends himself to let's just do something nuts. So mm-hmm. I thought the whole idea of oh this is legacy. Isn't there another thing they're doing called legends, right? Isn't that something else then? Maybe. 
What's the one where everyone's getting pissed off because they're like, what if in the future both Thors still exist and both Wolverines still exist and then all of the people that were like, we want old Wolverine were furious and then yeah. the people that were like, we want you to keep new Wolverine and this compromise um, you know, basically tells everyone that you really weren't happy with new Wolverine anyway, and so we're we're pissed off too. Um, and so they were they were just getting it from both ends. Um, is that this? I don't think this is. No, that's what I, I thought know. he was talking about, but that's a different thing, I guess. Yeah, that's a different thing. Where like I don't know what the fuck is going on anymore. Also, like, they're just trying to please everyone. Like literally, yeah. it is that it should just be called Marvel. We're trying to make all of you happy. We didn't actually realize that was actually impossible. Um, whereas DC's like we we hate some of you. <laughs> we really do, <laughs> and that's making us money. <laughs> yeah, see, it's just like I I understand the gripe that like. Older comics fans or longtime comics fans have superhero books now. We are that generation now. It's that's the, the the saddest thing in the entire world. I used to get like excited about superhero books, but now it's just like, how have they fucked this up yet again? Also, uh, anatomically modern humans didn't exist a hundred million a million years ago. So yeah, these should all be like uh, Homo erectus or something. Yeah, I saw like I saw this 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 the second image that I sent you was I got from Reddit. Um, someone was like, "Yeah, a bunch of this this is bullshit. Humans don't didn't look like this." Period. <laughs> so, anyways, just be chimps chimps in Avengers costumes. <laughs> they did that. It was called Marvel Apes. Shut up. I'm not fucking joking with you, Brian. Marvel Apes. No, look, I know Google. you're not kidding. I just wish I didn't know that. <laughs> You Honestly, know, why don't they do something again like Marvel, what was it, 1492? Yeah. And just at least take it a few extra centuries or a few, you know, a thousand years beyond this and, and do another interesting sort of thing like that. Um, why not? Yeah. You know who read uh, all of Marvel Apes? I just want to, I just want who read all of that and owned all of it. Fucking I did. I owned all of that bullshit, you guys, at one In point. In singles? In singles. Ooh. Yeah, okay. that's a that's, <laughs> a, talk a, about that's a blow to your uh, credibility. Yeah, I know. Uh, it was all really bad, but at that point, I had gotten into it so deep, I was like, I have to finish this. Sander, make sure this stays in. <laughs>